there's a translational gap in medical literature and the field, which is about 17 years. And it takes a new therapy 17 years to be accepted into mainstream with the amount of clinical trials that have really been published. We're about year 16. So we are close. Oh, this is so exciting. I'm Sarah Tobin. I welcome to the Tapping Into podcast, the place to explore a whole host of different natural, alternative and spiritual ways to change your life. My goal is to support you on your healing journey, whether you're planning to become a mother or already have children. Motherhood can often leave us feeling like we don't know who we are anymore. And this is the space to explore how rock bottoms and different modalities can often lead to the greatest joys. So get ready to come on a journey with me and enjoy. In today's episode, I chat with Dr. Peter Stapleton. I remember hearing about her in my EFT training in June 2018, and I've followed her ever since and bought her book, The Science of Tapping. So to have her here on my podcast is a real treat. Dr. Peter Stapleton has 25 years experience as a registered clinical and health psychologist, and she's currently associate professor in psychology at Bond University, Australia. She is a world leading researcher in EFT and has established herself as one of Australia's leading health professionals. Her research focuses on the fourth wave of psychological therapies that focus on both the mind and the body. One of her most significant contributions has been to lead world-first randomised clinical trials investigating the effectiveness of EFT. She even has her own TED Talk, which I've linked in the show notes. Today we chat about how she came to find EFT and how it became her research topic. She explains how she used EFT personally and professionally and how she created her first EFT trial for weight loss, which led to the huge body of work that she's produced and contributed to today. She explains what EFT is and how it works and shares with us some of the latest hot off the press global research that is proving how effective EFT really is. I absolutely loved chatting with her and I hope you get a lot out of this too, especially if you're new to tapping or if you're just really interested in how it works, like me. Jump into my DMs and let me know how you get on with this chat. Enjoy. Welcome, Dr. Peter, to the Tapping Into podcast. I'm so thrilled that we're actually going to talk about tapping today. Yes, absolutely happy to. <laughs> oh, I started the podcast wanting to explore all sorts of different modalities that help people And tapping was always one I wanted to explore, but I didn't want to do it on my own. I didn't want to be just like talking about how good it is. And here we have you, the research expert in tapping. So I'm just delighted to have you here. Thank you. Oh, it's just my pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) So you're in the lovely sunny Gold Coast of Australia. And how did tapping find its way to you? Because I know that it started in America. I think it started in the 70s and progressed and evolved in the 90s. How did you find tapping? Yes, so I've now, it's about 18, 20 years been in and around tapping, but back in the day, two decades ago, it was a colleague of mine who I guess was, he was a counsellor looking for different things online. Back in the day, a dial-up internet, if anyone remembers that. So he's very patient sitting there waiting to connect. And he found all of Gary Craig's uh, tapping work. Now, I was working particularly in the field of eating disorders and finding a lot of mainstream strategies weren't working well. So in a conversation with him, sort of complaining, if you like, that I felt ineffective as a young psychologist, he said, well, I've come across this 
strange technique, but I think there's something in it. I didn't even know what he was talking about at the time because he wasn't very good at selling tapping, but it was probably within the next couple of months that I was running an eating just sort of support group and he came along to assist because the numbers were kind of growing, women attending this group, and a young lady in the group had a panic attack and he just gestured, I'll take her outside, help her calm down, and I kept teaching whatever topic it was for the night. And they came back within about five or six minutes And she was calm and composed to the point, Sarah, where I thought he'd done something very immoral and slipped her a Valium or something like that. And I thought, oh, no, this is not good. And everyone goes home and I said at the end of the day to him, what happened there? Tell me you didn't do anything. And he said, no, I did that tapping thing I've been trying to tell you about. So, of course, I had to kind of take a step back and go, all right, you need to tell me what this thing is because I'd seen an outcome. I'd seen this young girl hyperventilating and come back calm and composed so I went off and there happened to be someone would you believe on the Gold Coast who trained with Gary Craig and was running an EFT training so the stars aligned if you like of course of course there was (laughs) dragged a girlfriend she didn't know what I was on about either (laughs) so that was yeah 20 years ago now and we've all been using it ever since gosh and do you use it like in your personal life did you start using it in your personal life Yes. So started particularly on myself. At the time I um, was living, my sister was living with me. She was studying her education degree. So she was my guinea pig. And I used to say, if you've got any problems, I would like to do this (laughs) technique. And so I used to practice with her. Then we, a girlfriend and I that had trained, we did start to use it with clients, but very much, and I'll say now, like under the table, because we didn't know how to tell people about this thing. We didn't know how it worked. But our clients started to get better and they were recovering from their eating disorders or other issues. And they were going back to their medical doctors, their GPs, and saying, oh, yeah, I'm fine now. Like, And the doctors would be asking and then everyone was a bit confused what we were doing, but they didn't really (laughs) care. They just kept saying, just do that tapping thing. And so by the time kind of probably five years down the track, my academic job allowed me to do whatever research I wanted. And I said to my boss at that time, we'd been using it for about five years in private practice, but not telling anyone. And I said, oh, can I do anything? And he said, yeah. And I said, I want to do this tapping thing we've been. And he just looked at me and went, I don't think anyone's going to come to that trial because that's just a bit weird. And I went on this current affair show, advertised our first food craving program, and 4,500 people rang up or emailed. (laughs) So that was the first trial. And we were, like, looking at each other going, I'm not sure we know what we're doing here. But, yeah, so, like, the rest is history, literally. So the last 15 years of research. But that's how it kind of came into my life. And Do you know, I'm just thinking, like, if maybe in a different country or a different time, you would not have been able to do that or and I to just wouldn't put it under the radar it. like that. No. So yeah, it really was, do. it has meant to come out through you, hasn't it? Because, yeah, yeah it found you. Yes, and, and really I probably haven't had anyone in my life since then that would have made that kind of gesture. And that that colleague of mine, he has passed away now, so he actually hasn't seen what happened. And I get goosebumps talking about it wow. because... He handed a baton and I guess at some other level knew it was mine to take forward. Yeah. And, and he passed within, he didn't even see our first trial outcome. Oh, wow. So yeah. So within that five years we were using it, but then he he died of melanoma. So oh, he never saw it, but at the same time, yeah, maybe it was meant to be. Oh gosh. Yeah. Total, total shivers. Crikey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
God, and so tell us then about the outcome of that first research. Yes, so we go on to run this first research trial of uh, a four-week program, two hours a week. Everybody came to the university, tapped on their food cravings, and the point was to lose weight. So we had people that were obese. Lo and behold, we follow them up six and 12 months later just to see what happens. And nobody's got their food cravings anymore. And even we are a little bit speechless, even though we know now <laughs> this thing works. We're like, not too sure what's going to happen here. And we reported it, we published it all, and we thought, this this is amazing. Like this literally people couldn't remember what they'd done the tapping on in the trial because obviously new neurological connections do occur and they lost weight. We had people in that particularly that first trial, which is now 15 years ago, we had one gentleman and several women lose 25 and 30 kilos over that year because they tapped on other foods and took it further. And the gentleman, funnily enough, he's still in my life and he's maintained that weight loss for 15 years. So I always kind of have a chat to him. Wow. He doesn't need to do tapping anymore. But like we we had such significant outcomes on every single thing we were measuring. And then we took it further, compared it to kind of gold standards like cognitive behavioral therapy in the online space, self-paced, lots of different applications. Yeah. But yeah, we even sort of look back the girlfriend and I who she's the one I dragged to the training and she was part of the research team and we still talk to each other and kind of shake our heads and kind of go I know now we have a lot of research but really we were kind of poking around in the dark there we weren't too sure what was going to happen but we kind of had some level of faith I guess because it had been working for our clients that we thought well I'm, I'm sure this will sure be able to work, work on a, yeah, on a bigger yeah. and were you nervous about publishing the findings and getting peer reviews and that kind of thing absolutely <laughs> I so, can imagine. so when people oh. um people do say to me it must be so much easier for you to talk about tapping and people will listen to you because you're an associate professor and I go no I think it's worse because <laughs> what worried me back in the early stages was reputation, was what people would think of me. I am an introvert. So even though I might, you know, do videos, do conferences, I'm still an introvert. Like I'm I'm not an extrovert. So all of those anxieties and worries were in me. But what I did, and I can't even remember who to credit this to, was I sat down and I wrote all the things I was worried about and I tapped on all of them. (laughs) And I tapped on everybody's opinion. And every time I went to kind of speak at a conference and have somebody, I don't know, more senior or in my mind skilled, criticize me, I'd go home and I'd tap again. So I used those early years in publishing where we did get to the point, and even to this day, nobody blinks an eyelid and everyone's like, oh yeah, tapping, yeah, that's cool. Like I don't, I know other people here negativity and they hear pushback but I don't so there has to be something there about and I say to everybody just tap on your worry just tap on what it is that you're worried about because you stop attracting it so it is that element of yeah and I suppose you use those early years to tick off those limiting beliefs that would hold you back from doing the work that you've done yeah. And it hasn't stopped. Like we just take it to the next level. So um, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But we are right now doing a review for the American Psychological Association to have EFT listed as evidence-based on their website. So I was asked to do that late last year. We're doing it, follows a certain format, very boring, end up with an article at the end. But the impact of that will be huge. So we sat down, again, another friend and I went, okay, what do we think the blocks are here that might come up and so we tap on them and we tap on what it is so that yeah we can get this out there to more people and we can attract the funding so we still tap we just tap on different things amazing 
Amazing. Yeah. I love that. So it's like, yeah, the preemptive, what are the blocks that are going to come up or what are my fears? And then before you even produce the work, you've already gone through that. That's a brilliant technique for anyone in yes. business yes. or anything. Yeah, yeah that's a fantastic like that. idea. Future, future goal setting or future pacing and thinking, all right, yeah. what do I think is going to happen? And I tell you, I'm married to an engineer. So he's the <laughs> Me too. most... Oh, there you go. Rational, <laughs> black and white. So totally different field. So he was my biggest, I guess, mirror to be able to sort of, because he'd go, what is this stupid thing that you're doing? And and so I would tap on that and go, all right, well, okay, let's just assume he's representative of that sort of style of person. And then tap on more and tap on more. And I don't know how long I tapped for, but he is now my biggest advocate and sells tapping to everybody out there. So um, even the most sceptical person that thinks, no, I don't understand how it works, so therefore it can't work. Yeah, You can actually get past, you just have to address it in yourself. Totally. And then, um- for a reference for people, I, my husband did go for a session of tapping to, we have had a trauma in our lives that brought me to tapping. And about three or four years afterwards, he then went for a session. And it was after that, that he came back and it was like something had clicked with him. He was just like, I understand what you're doing now. And I get why you want to do this. And ever since then, it's been like super supportive. But before that, I think when you don't understand it or haven't felt it, it is hard to picture a shift, isn't it? It's hard to fit, to know, well, how am I going to feel on the other side of this when it when it, when it releases? That's exactly yeah. right. And and it, it seems almost ridiculous that you could tap on acupressure points on your face and something change in your life. So I make my husband, because he taps too, keep a, a tapping journal. So he actually looks back every six or 12 months and I've heard him say, I don't remember writing that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember that night when we were working through, I don't know, some belief or something. And he says, no, that's not me anymore. And so having that journal to flick back, I I recommend to everybody to sort of have some sort of record because that's where you notice the shift in change and you notice that that's not you anymore or you don't do that behaviour. Otherwise, it's so seamless as a transition. People don't attribute the outcomes to tapping. They're just like, oh, that's never had that food craving and you're like yes you did (laughs) yeah yeah I understand that can definitely be an outcome of it where you just literally lose the connection to it all together yeah yeah so let's so for people who are listening to this really for maybe for the first time maybe listening to me for the first time give us a rundown on tapping your words your version the easiest the most simplistic way I would say and I would describe it to a newcomer is it's a way to reduce stress in the body So it's a stress reduction technique and we do that by actually stimulating acupuncture points on the face and the top half of the body. And people might then sort of say, oh, okay, so what do you, it's like, well, we think about what our stress is. So it does seem counterintuitive to maybe other talk therapies where you might be trying to think more positively or reframe. We actually focus on what's happening, but it's the actual tapping on these acupuncture points that reduces that message from the stress center in the brain the amygdala and often people go oh oh can you show me or can can we you tell me about how it works and of course there's a whole explanation behind that but the most simple thing is it's a way to reduce stress in the body amazing and you um your ted talk so we'll get to that in a second but in your ted talk you do reference eft as a somatic therapy and i i mean you did that Four years ago now, was it five years ago now? 2018? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I've never actually linked the two. Like I, I understand 
the somatic stuff, but I always thought that that somatic energy work was slightly different, but actually it is somatic. Mm, it's physical. It's yeah. soma means body in Latin. So it, it to me, when I wrote that TED Talk, which was a dream come true and it was on my goal list years earlier because a student had planted that idea in my mind because I showed TED Talks in my lectures. Um, yeah, and when I was writing that, I'm like, yeah, it is, it's physical, it's somatic. We do have the cognitive element to it. Yeah. But really it's that fourth wave that EMDR, the eye movement therapy, belongs to other somatic processing, Peter Levine's work, that type of thing. And I'm like, yeah, EFT is in that fourth wave. So it is, and unbeknownst to me, that was the first time apparently it had been talked about like that, that fourth oh. wave. And I'm like, oh, I can actually own something out there. I didn't realise that, but all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> to me it was just like, well, logically, We've had psychotherapy yeah. go through three waves and we've been in the third wave for a long time and we've had extensions of that with, you know, acceptance, commitment, therapy, mindfulness out of CBT. But to me, I think we've taken it a step further, which really has come back in time to what people in Eastern kind of philosophies have done for a very long time anyway, which yeah. has come back to the body, come back yeah. to what the body's saying. So, And yeah. the, the mind and the body was separated wasn't it yes in terms of yeah, yeah. yeah so talk to me a little bit about that like how have we got to the place that we're now trying to piece back together a holistic view when yes. actually it was like that already yes and and that really came out of philosophy not so much psychology but philosophy really separated the mind and body purely because they thought that doctors should treat physical ailments and that philosophers or the local priest or someone like that eventually psychology and therapy would treat the mind and hand on heart would say there's still a lot of medical practitioners out there that that live by that philosophy that really they see them as separate entities whereas we're trying to kind of move the field to that integrative functional approach which is like well no often those illnesses in the body are actually directly affected by what's in the mind which means psychologists particularly health psychologists now play a huge role in physical conditions like irritable bowel syndrome and certain types of cancers and fibromyalgia chronic pain like things like that where physically nothing really works for these people but psychologically that's where they get the shift so so I still think and our youngest daughter would you believe wants to become a doctor and I've said to her there is no way you're going to be a straight allopathic yeah. doctor out there because you've grown up in a family she's like no 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 mind and body connected. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah. I really think there's a really um, interesting opportunity for young people to to be a more dynamic GP or yeah yes. more holistically aware and I believe that there are doctors in America and possibly Australia using tapping with their patients oh plenty plenty yeah. we train lots of them because we do a lot of trainings for health professionals in particular uh, and lots of them do so it's used in our hospitals here it's approved by our national disability scheme so people in that scheme can actually access or government funded we have a lot of acceptability that people don't wow. realize is out there with with tapping so yeah it's not unusual we have nurses out there that are allowed to use it in hospital settings we have GPs using it in private practice it's everywhere <laughs> wow that's amazing yes. because like it's barely a footnote on the bottom of the nice guidelines here in the yeah. UK yeah. and yeah. I presume in a lot of countries and now you're working on trying to get it as a recommended therapy in the US so yes. how yeah so how does how do we make tapping more accessible and funded through these health systems 
I think it does come back to the research that is being mm. released, which more and more is coming out of other countries other than Australia, the UK and the US because we've been the main ones. We're seeing Korea, Iran, Iraq, Indonesia. There's academic institutions there that are actually pumping out EFT trials, which is fabulous. Wow. The more people out there that are widespread doing research and the more that's being published, the more it's then not just attached to one individual or somebody driving an agenda. So that is that first step. And the second step really then is to actually attract government funding, which NICE has approved. And I do know that EFT International in the UK has recently put in a NICE grant for EFT for depression. So it is approved to be allowed to be kind of put in and then obviously see if they get that outcome. So Okay. And then I think the more we get the message out there that the National Disability Scheme in Australia approves EFT or all these hospitals actually approve EFT, and the more people hear that, the more they don't feel like they're the first ones stepping out to do the acceptance. Of course, yeah. And I think the APA evidence-based website that we're doing the review for at the moment, they are the driving force behind Medicare and what is accepted at that fee fund kind of that money people get back refunds mm. by seeing somebody under Medicare. Yeah. EMDR first was approved there before it then kind of became more accepted. So we're following a similar right. pathway there. So we'll all keep tapping as a collective that we see that by the yes. end of the year. It's like, oh, look, evidence-based. It's written there, EFT on the website because Amazing. that will be a game changer. Absolutely. I'm just thinking of a couple of months ago I was asked to teacher tapping workshop for Bernardo's, the children's charity in Ireland. Yeah. And they yeah. have changed their, all of their, I suppose it's it's just informed everything they do, but they have all had trauma-based, in, trauma-informed training. And that has really shaped everything that they are doing, which I just think is amazing. And if more people were trauma-informed, then I suppose this therapy would would be a real top of the top of their mm. toolkit, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And, and we are seeing more acknowledgement from that trauma area. Like there is a, a body in Australia that is a um, trauma-based PTSD organisation. They have a set of clinical guidelines and EFTs included in them. So they're like, we don't want any, this is what you have to do under us. Yeah. Your Canadian psychotherapy is a bit the same. And I think you're right. I think there has been a shift happening in the last few years of people becoming aware that particularly out of the ACE studies, the adverse childhood experience studies, that we need more trauma training. Then we get hit with a worldwide pandemic, which we're yet to see the outcomes of, not just from a trauma level, but a chronic illness point of view Mm. when people relax and the immune system kind of collapses. And I think that's yet to come as well. So we're getting there. I think the one thing I, I did mean to mention was there's a translational gap in medical literature and the field, which is about 17 years. And it takes a new therapy 17 years to be accepted into mainstream. Guess where we're at with the EFT research? We're about year 16. So we're sitting with the amount of clinical trials that have really been published. We're about year 16 slash 17. We're right there. And when I look back at the EMDR journey, it took 20 years. Okay. So... So we are close. Six is It'll exciting. be our lifetime, Sarah. It'll yes. be our lifetime. <laughs> oh, yeah. this is so exciting. So tell yeah. me about your biggest wins in research because in particular ones popping to my head is what we released 2020 is the recreation of Dawson Church's yeah. um, study. Is yeah. that one of your yeah. biggest accomplishments? 
It is not so much because we know tapping works, but obviously we replicated his cortisol reduction trial. So rather than do it individually, though, we did it as group therapy. So we had same conditions, one group read magazines and relaxed for an hour, one group learnt about stress, CBT-ish, and one group did tapping on stress for an hour, but we tested their cortisol before and after. And so Dawson had found a 24% reduction just doing it on your own. But what we found was doing it in a group, we got a 43% reduction in one hour of cortisol for the tapping group. And the poor group that read magazines got worse actually had an increase of cortisol by 2%. And the group that just did their psychoeducation did have a reduction 19% similar to Dawson's. So it wasn't significant, but obviously ours was. But what was really big as the win out of that was the American Psychological Association, this body we're talking about, they published that paper in a mainstream journal, which to me that was the win because we knew the results were there, but they acknowledged it because normally 15 years ago they wouldn't have even looked at it, reject, reject, reject. But they actually sent an email around that came through ASEP in the US to me to say, got anything to include? I said, well, I do. I'll send them an abstract. Lo and behold, they said, yes, we will publish that. So that was the win. I mean, we've had many, many different outcomes along the way that have been amazing. But, yeah, that that's big for the field, particularly Absolutely. for Absolutely. Well, particularly now how it's leading to being included in the... Yeah. I can't remember the, the association's name, sorry. Yes, yeah, the yeah. Um, American Psychological Association. American yes. Psychological yeah. Association. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. referenced CBT earlier, and I know that is something that is funded on the NHS and possibly in Ireland on the HSE. Um, can you explain a little bit what CBT is and how it differs? Because obviously a lot of people try CBT. Yeah. And yeah, you, you tell me what your 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 view sure. on it. Yeah, thanks. Yes, so cognitive behavioural therapy is absolutely a gold standard therapy. It has over, look, last time we looked about 800 randomised clinical trials. So it's well researched and has been since the 70s absolutely does show outcomes for people with certain conditions, which is what we're looking for for evidence. And I teach it at master's level. So my students all learn this before they go into our community clinic and get their practice with real life people. The essence of cognitive behavioural therapy is obviously becoming aware of perhaps a negative feeling that we do in tapping, but then changing the thought behind it. So it could be that somebody feels angry when they get a red light or cut off in traffic or they're running late. So the psychologist or therapist might sit down and sort of work backwards and kind of go, so what do you think you told yourself in that moment that led to the feeling? And they can work that out. And then they obviously have to rehearse that to swap that out for a, a more functional thought process. So that kind of thing. And that that's it in its essence, because obviously if you change your thought, you will change your feeling, which will change your behaviour, that nice little triangle. Now, there's nothing wrong with that if you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse, which is what you actually do have to do. And even the trials where tapping's been compared to CBT, it takes the CBT groups about six months to show their outcomes, whereas the EFT groups often get it just in the treatment kind of period, which might be four or eight weeks. So it is about rehearsal. And I think that's where we lose some dropout of people in CBT therapy because it takes willpower and it takes a lot of hard work to actually kind of go, all right, I've got that feeling again about my mother-in-law. Yeah. What am I supposed to tell myself again kind of thing? Yeah. And sometimes it's guilty of staying at the surface and it doesn't get back to the root cause of where it came from. And so it could sort of 
pop up in a different area of life, the same pattern of thinking more so than that one that you've really worked hard on. Whereas we know tapping actually generalizes to lots of different areas. Once you get to that root cause, that behavior stops across lots of domains. So yes, it works. It wouldn't be a gold standard if it wasn't, but it does take work. Yeah. So I find, funnily enough, when I teach my students, because they're in their master's degree of psychology, it works brilliantly for little kids up to probably early teenage years because they don't actually question anything about it and they just do it. Yeah. And they haven't had layers and layers and decades of, yeah, exactly right. I don't find it so effective at the other end. So little kids, great, fabulous. You don't have to kind of rationalise or argue or anything. But as they get older and teenagers, yeah, it can be a bit more tricky. You mentioned there getting to the root cause and that's kind of something I absolutely love doing. Like when I'm working with somebody, I almost think like I'm a detective. (laughs) Yeah. I like get my detective hat on and I'm looking and chasing the original root cause. And we know that kind of, our actions and behaviours on a day-to-day are led by our previous experiences. So tell us a little bit more about how EFT does that. How does it clear the root cause? Yeah, it's a lovely process and often one that we don't have to, as the therapist on the other side, work too hard to find because it's almost like it presents itself. Yeah, true, yeah. Yeah, as we tap on, say, the unwanted emotion, distress, whatever that might be, the amygdala, we know, stops sending out that signal. So the amygdala responds directly to tapping on an acupuncture point. So as the amygdala quietens down, the hippocampus that lives next door, literally in the brain, which is the memory centre, seen to be the memory centre, is able to kind of give up information. So sometimes when people are tapping, they might notice they're tapping on feeling angry, 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 and then they think of something from 10 years ago. Mm. And they're like, oh, why did I think of that? And newcomers to tapping will often ignore that, kind of go, oh, no, I've got to come back to tapping on feeling angry. Whereas what we're trying to do as that detective is find that root cause and the brain will do it for you. So it will actually, as you calm down, it will actually, the hippocampus will often go, here it is, here it is. And then we can use certain techniques, as we know, in tapping to kind of process memories as sort of an event in the mind different styles of techniques there Mm -hmm. but that's what I like the best as well is Mm. I can not know where it comes from but about five or ten minutes later I probably will because I can just keep tapping and staying in the present moment and let it just come up and then go oh wow I wouldn't have guessed (laughs) and then go down that road yeah Um, and memories come up that people often don't think they have access to right so these kind of almost pre six pre seven or memories that are very traumatic and have been hidden away from view do you think that's because I often call it tapping like a brain hack for safety like you're kind of hacking your brain to tell it that it's safe and if your brain feel if you feel safe you feel you might feel safe to bring up the memory Absolutely. Yes. Mm. It's all protective. So whether someone says, I don't have any active memories before the age of 10 or 15 or whatever, it may just be that one, nothing was significant. So it's okay. But two, it's just protecting you so that you can function in today's world and not be triggered, you know, by that capsule of whatever's in there. But I think you're right. Tapping gives the body the sense of safety as well. Bessel van der Kolk was the one that talked about the body keeps the score. Yeah. So as we tap, We've got decades now of research that shows we're not just feeling better after tapping, we're changing DNA expression, cortisol reduction, EEG, brain scans, heart rate variability, blood pressure. So the body's 
physical system is changing through tapping, which means if you feel safe in your own container of your body, then you're likely to actually remember or think, be allowed to think about something that perhaps was traumatic. And absolutely, we recommend do that with someone that's skilled as a yeah. practitioner, not on your own. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And you mentioned this DNA expression in the TED Talk as well, and I was going to ask you about it. So does this go to like epigenetics, the Bruce Lipton part of the world? So talk to yes, me a, bit, a little bit Bruce about that. Great. Yes, I like <laughs> Bruce. We're the same height. <laughs> yes. So two, three, four. I'm trying to think how many studies. There's four studies that are published on EFT out of the US on DNA expression. The first one showed just one hour of tapping, change the expression of 72 genes. So genes that were just responsible for things like immunity, inflammation in the body, suppression of cancer, things like that, they changed in whether they were upregulated or downregulated, so turned on or off. But the major study on DNA showed that for war vets that were diagnosed with PTSD, they did a 10-week, so a traditional kind of therapy program, 10 weeks of tapping, six genes that were attached to that PTSD diagnosis and obviously all the symptoms downregulated, meaning not only did they not meet diagnosis, but they didn't have the symptomology. So it's like the DNA expression matched their psychological story of what they were saying. No flashbacks, no nightmares, no hypervigilance, that kind of thing. So we know that not only are we able to affect that type of thing, we finished a cancer trial last year here in Australia. So we partnered with the Cancer Institute. And while the patients were going through active chemotherapy and radiation, we tapped with them just on everything from when they got their diagnosis to stress in their life when that happened, to regrets, to guilt, to everything. And we measured their cortisol. So we were able to show for every patient, every tapping, they kept their cortisol low. So they all decreased every session, which meant they're in a better place physically, perhaps for their other types of treatments that they were going through, that type of thing. So we have a profound ability to not only impact family stories of illness, you know, well, my mother had high blood pressure and her mother had high blood pressure. So therefore I'm going to have it. And it's like, well, that's not really the case. (laughs) So it's this fabulous tool. I mean, Bruce talks a lot more about how a cell can get impacted by thoughts and feelings and things like that. We have a tool that can allow it to happen. It's amazing because we can stop the generational passing on of those expressions can't we the the PTSD expressions and absolutely it really is generational game changer yes because it is the story that gets handed down that everyone buys into perhaps for a non-genetic kind of illness or disease Mm. that people just go oh well that's just what happens in our family everybody gets some sort of I don't know varicose veins or something like that and it's like well why (laughs) Yeah. Why do they? It doesn't have to be your story. <laughs> no. And so, and we have like, you know, 18 years now down the track of client work, you see people shift. I worked with a mum, here's a story, a mum and a daughter who both had fibromyalgia and they were very connected or dependent, if you like, emotionally on each other. And I worked with the daughter for a long time first and she actually recovered. But in recovering from her fibromyalgia and a certain ballet incident had set that off for her, the mother started to recognise she wanted to self-sabotage the daughter's recovery because that's what kept them bonded. But 
mum was wise enough that she came into therapy and her fibromyalgia was actually attached to something completely different, a workplace incident, and she was able to do so that they could go on and live healthy, happy lives without fibromyalgia as the connector between them. But otherwise there was a fair chance that they were just going to pass that story down you know, to other other members in the family. So it's amazing when you see it happen. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned earlier about the pandemic and the impact of that. Is there by any chance any trials going on or, yeah, anything happening in that space where we can actually help people through the post-traumatic stress of the pandemic? Yes. So there there's two that I know of. So a publication came out late 2021. So you've never seen anything be published so fast, everything coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. It's amazing. Normally journal articles take us like a year to publish. So this particular study is quite landmark. So it actually was done. Now I've got to get this right. I do believe it was in Iran or Turkey. So it's a country over there that's run this study. They ran a trial for nurses working with COVID patients wow. and taught them EFT. So the whole trial was EFT for nurses that were in that situation, all about their individual reactions, their fears, their worries, everything going on, burnout, and they particularly targeted burnout because we do know our frontline workers are being obviously really tested during these times and some of them are leaving the professions. And so the outcomes were significant. They were statistically significant at that level, but at that clinical level as well for the nurses, that their burnout in particular absolutely reduced, as did their anxiety, their depression, things like that, and they were able to kind of keep going. And they didn't get many sessions. From memory, it was only a couple of EFT sessions, but, of course, they were able to do it themselves. That's the first one that I know of. There's a second trial that's actually happening locally here with uh, me where we have a persistent pain program that is government funded. So it's a 12-week program and it includes EFT. So the head pharmacist there, she's an absolute kind of advocate and we've become really good friends, but she's like, this is what we do, this is what works, and the government just give her money. So it's great. But she is running at the moment and we actually are just looking at the six-month data, so it's yet to be published. She got government funding to to run a trial for subacute pain so before it becomes chronic pain during COVID so people that developed kind of pain symptoms that don't have a physical cause and she's trying to intervene before it becomes chronic because that's obviously going to have a huge impact on the health system yeah but the program includes tapping so where we've looked at the pre-post data and absolutely it's significant so these people did not go on to develop chronic pain and obviously EFT has been part of that art therapy is included as well and now we've just only a week ago got all the six-month data to see how long it lasted. And I have no doubt that these people are okay. So they're going to exit the health system and that one we absolutely have already drafted to be published. So there are a couple that are coming out. I think we will see, funnily enough, the whole of 2020 and 2021, I was in the middle of running EFT for chronic pain trials. That was our research agenda. So we've just finished that. That included MRI and vagal tone measurements. So we actually worked with Stephen Porges team and we measured vagal tone activity in our patients. So we're currently writing that up, but that actually was not ever designed to be part of the pandemic. It was just there at the time. So yeah, amazing. I remember seeing a video on YouTube about a guy in hospital who used tapping. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I did see that. Yes. Yeah. So um, he trained with Carl Dawson. So I've, trained with Carl and he talks about him and so he was 
he was told the next day, so in, in the height, the first wave of COVID, very debilitating, he, he was on one of the cruise ships, so one of those really first people that got it. And he was in the hospital and he was told he was going to go on the ventilator the next day. So that night he tapped and he tapped and he tapped and he just breathed and tapped and breathed and tapped. The next day was absolutely well enough to not go on the ventilator. And yeah, that video was like had millions of views. <laughs> Yes. So it's amazing, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, I know now because a lot more people have obviously contracted COVID and have used tapping. So lots of kind of even leaders in the field that for whatever reason ended up positive all use tapping throughout their journeys with some of that recovery process. So it's amazing. great. And isn't it great to see people like Russell Brand and... Oh, I don't know what other celebrities, but just Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. She does tapping. We've got plenty of actresses here in Australia that use tapping. We have whole sporting teams, rugby league teams. They stand and tap on the field. We have no. footage of doing that before they do kickoff. Yeah, we have. It's That stuff works really well when you've got a teenager that goes, what's this tapping thing? And you're yeah. like, here's a footballer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I know who that is. And a celebrity. <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah. So if people want to look at any of those, there's a couple of baseball players, racing car drivers. That footage is all on my YouTube channel. So just right. Peter all those footages and the footballers. So sometimes they are good videos to actually help build a bridge, particularly to a certain age group or school yeah. activities. So you can actually show them other people that are famous tapping. It's, it's amazing. It feels like you've kind of got this kind of microclimate down there and tapping has just like exploded compared to the rest <laughs> of the world. <laughs> I think Australians are just so laid back. They're like, yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> I just think that, I don't know. They just, every time we advertise a trial, we get hundreds and hundreds of people. I just think people sometimes have tried everything else. Well, they're just not too worried. People go, well, I'll give about it a go. If it works. I'm not mm. too worried about, obviously, we're trying to tackle it from more of an inside situation with government and things like that. But I, I think it does come back to as well that if you're clear yourself, and our agenda is just the same as what you said, Sarah. We just want to get this out there and say to people, there's other options outside of therapies you might have already had, like potentially a faster, but they've got the evidence and it's just something for you to try. That's our agenda. And I think because yeah. it's not kind of flavoured with anything personal, it's like, no, we just want to give this to the world. Gary yeah. Craig started it and even well be before that, Roger Callahan and, and many yes. others. And we're just sort of bringing something to it that maybe can spread it a bit bit further. The next wave, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and just lastly, because I work with mums and I work prenatally on the conception journey, the, the baby loss journey, the just a normal pregnancy journey, the birth journey and stuff, like is there any research around how tapping supports the motherhood journey? Would you believe only just today I was scheduling some of my social media. So this is study is actually going to come out on Instagram in the next couple of weeks just because I schedule ahead. A study has just been released. It was Iran late last year, so it's only just come out in a journal. And they actually, hospital setting, did a trial where they did EFT for women who had had spontaneous miscarriage. So obviously no one's fault, but they actually gave all of these women individual EFT and they gave them 12 sessions. So it was a really wow. good treatment program and to follow up and were able to target individual personal kind of information. Yeah, It's one of the first that I'm aware of that's been done in that kind of birth trauma space, which I think is fantastic. I've got colleagues in the UK who are currently 
attempting to secure funding for childbirth, I think they call it PTSD, but all EFT. So tapping is the modality and they are attempting to, because that's their area of research. So that's great. And another study that has come out, I'm just trying to think, it was American, I think, where mums of children with autism that had an intellectual disability as well, which is a a growing field and Mm. lots of people are curious about autism and have we run trials. It's often hard to run clinical trials with some populations, but it was run with the mothers. So Mm. of, and they absolutely were able to kind of get the benefits uh, of their own anxiety, their own feelings around obviously being a mum of a child that had high needs. So that's actually been published as well. So so there's some things coming out that even now, like I talk to Dawson Church, Brad Yates, everybody every week, and we're like, we're at the point now where we're no longer aware of all the research that's coming out. This is fantastic. <laughs> like this is, we never thought we'd get to this place where we're like, we know everybody's studies that are going on. We're like, who are these people? This is amazing. <laughs> so I post all the research that has come out. Like there was a German MRI study that actually came out 2020 that showed inside an MRI machine, if you imagine tapping and don't physically tap, it still works. It was oh, the first study to show imagine you know. Tapping. So I just post it all on Instagram. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely direct people to that. And you're going to have to write a volume two and three to your science of tapping book with all the new (laughs) research that comes out. House are absolutely aware we'll probably have to do a 10-year anniversary review. Yeah. What's come out. And and I have written a book. So during my COVID pandemic downtime, um, (laughs) my book coming out next is Tapping for Memory Improvement. So we are we've written a whole guide and a plan for little ones right through to the elderly with dementia. So that's the next one that's about to come out. Oh wow. So dementia, yeah, yeah, amazing. Yes. So and research trials have actually occurred in that space. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so we're going to be linking everybody to you via YouTube, Instagram, your books. Keep They can keep an eye out Thank for those. You. And, oh, gosh, I could literally talk to you for hours. It's been amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. This is my kind <laughs> um, of conversation. Yes, we'll update you all in another six to 12 months' time about what's been happening. Yeah. Oh, and tell me about your program that you're running, the membership or collective Yes. So around Easter this year, 2022, if anyone's listening, we're about to release a training area on our website, which is evidencebasededft.com, which will be a portal or a training hub, if you like, for people that particularly work with clients. But if anyone was to kind of come in there for their own personal use, that would be perfectly fine. And they like dive deeps into different areas. They can work through a bit like Behind the scenes, we call it the EFT of Netflix. So it's very video-based, often lots of workbooks that people can keep as well. But just sort of pick and choose. And there is, I do have a colleague that is giving us a course on EFT for fertility issues. So something like that would be in there. We have chronic pain featured, obviously lots of other health conditions. We have expert tips from uh, people, including yourself. So we have lots of videos like that, including lots of our world leaders. They've all contributed. So around Easter this year, everybody, if you just jump on the mailing list, we'll let you know. Awesome. That would be so good for anybody just starting off as a practitioner and maybe, yeah, curious about what niche they might want to get into or get some expert tips. Amazing. Well, I am just really excited about this cusp of change that we're on the edge of this 7, 16, 17 year. Yes. Oh, transformation and and so excited about where it's going to take the world because this is a, a gift we can 
just can keep sharing. Yes. Thank you so much for the opportunity to just talk tapping. Oh, you're so welcome. And have a beautiful rest of evening. I know it's a stormy, rainy night, but it's hot. So enjoy the heat. And you can see now my sun is up. Your sun is up now. You were in the dark before. Look yeah. at that. And I have, yeah, there is some greenery around. So I will enjoy my day. And yeah, thank you again so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Sarah. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please like, subscribe, and maybe leave a review too. I work with women all over the world, helping them to leave the trauma of the past behind, let go of limiting beliefs, step into their power, and create the futures that they desire. To find out more about me, visit my website, tappingformums.com. You can work with me one-to-one. You could join my Tapping Into Motherhood membership and community. Or you can tap along with me for free on YouTube. Just search Tapping for Mums. Hope to see you next time and have a wonderful day.